Well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> another another L in the books for the Sharks, uh, losing this one to the Anaheim Ducks five to two. Like we teased out on the Twitter, new duo incoming. All that and more on this edition of Teal Town After Dark. But first, if you want to be a part of the show and teal together and interact with us, check us out across all of the social media platforms, that being Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, Reddit, and all of the shenanigans that go down in the Discord. We've got all that and more at tealtownusa.com. I am pleased to be joined by Ryan, or as, uh, as you might know on Twitter, at HockeyFrom808. Ryan, it is a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure as well. And uh, first, let me just get your quick, broad thoughts on this game tonight. Uh, kind of rough. It one. was. It was a game. Um, I mean, didn't expect much coming into it. Um, thought we looked alright, but I mean, we're all just waiting for it to end. Yeah, yeah, we're in the uh, we're in the death knells, right? Uh, you know, you've got the outcome already sealed in in fate and now i guess we can only really revel in that uh silver lining that the vegas golden knights might be joining us in our misery so uh that's i guess somewhat of a of a win for me in that this, would be lovely <laughs> this season Ah, oh, boy. I mean, where do we even get to start on this one uh if we take a look at that first period we've got uh a pretty pretty large and, and disparaging shot counter in favor of the Sharks 17 to 7 however it would be Anaheim that would open the scoring at 405 in the first on the power play the uh, the PK which had been a staple of the team uh, is starting to take some water on and uh, the Ducks would also score what looked like a 2-0 goal however uh, it was called back and uh, the score would remain one nothing through that period. It, what did you see in the first period? Because those shots seemed semi-dangerous at times, but then at other times it seemed, just seemed kind of didn't really have a good idea of what they wanted to do with the puck. Yeah, I mean, to start off the game, you thought, all right, this is going to be a hot game. Um, everything looked all right, and the Balsers, borderlow Gregor line was buzzing. They're pretty much the only line, but I mean, before the Zegers goal, that was producing anything. Uh, Balsers early on off the post. Um, but then once that goal, I mean, who knew it, it even was a goal? Um, once that goal went in, and that's when it started to go a little bit downhill from there. Yeah, unfortunately, the Sharks just really didn't get it into gear, uh, you know, until the latter part of that second period. And going into that second period, unfortunately, you want the Sharks to kind of push back a little bit. But Max Comtois with his fifth on the season from Shattenkirk and Benoit, 526 into the second period. And then this is about the time where I started to say, I'm going to put this on mute and uh, let's unmute the baseball game while I'm doing um, picture in picture because uh, I don't need to be listening uh, to some more poor play this one um uh, busted two-on-one coverage uh you had Merck's just kind of a, a little bit uh you know just a little lost a little lost out there <laughs> um and and unfortunately you know the, the sharks just really didn't recover after that because you know 622 uh you know, I think it was probably a shift and a half later. You had Sonny Milano, his 14th on the season, Terry and Simone uh, with the assist there. They would end up victimizing the Burns-Ferraro pairing. So it just seemed like all of the defensive pairings just had a brain fart and meltdown in their own zone this evening. Yeah, it, it didn't look great. I mean, the like you said, Merkley just, I mean, he had his man, lost his man, and just kind of forgot he was there. Um, and then the Milano goal, I mean, great goal, but, I mean, you're just giving him about a radius of three feet of nobody on him. Um, so that, that doesn't help. And then, like you said, that the defensive pairings, I mean, didn't really matter who you threw out there. It wasn't – it didn't look pretty at all. Yeah. 
yeah, and and I think you know when the Sharks do play like this and and do um excuse me uh just had a had a burp <laughs> um no but i mean when the sharks even burp it up on the ice right and not really uh, composing themselves and then they get down uh in a score like this three nothing then they start to kind of press a little bit and and the sharks would press back and it would be good to see uh brent burns get his 10th on the power play logan couture and uh boards get the uh get the assist there uh that that does come on the power play so i mean um I'm, finally I, yeah i mean there's not really much to say at this point um the power play is what it is and uh it's just one of those rare occurrence power play goals but um he just gets it in uh off the wrister um, kind of pulls Kakin a little bit out of the crease and, uh, or excuse me, not Kakin. Oh, oh my goodness. Where am I going with that one? Um, excuse me, uh, Stolars. I'm just thinking of another big goaltender, but that's all. Um, Stolars there with getting him off the line and then is able to, to tuck that home. So Brent Burns, you know, makes it interesting, gets the Sharks on the board. Uh, Scott Reedy would follow up three minutes later with his sixth on the season, Magna and Chemileski getting the assist there. And I did want to bring up, well, I mean, first we can go over the Brent Burns goal and what you saw from the power play. I mean, we did kind of just say eh, what it is, what it is at this point, but what do you think going forward, the Sharks need to do to continue the power play success? I mean, power play success. I mean, at least have over a minute in the opponents in the offensive zone. I mean, I feel like all the time on the power play, we're just watching them dump and chase over and over again. And then on the Burns goal, it was one of the rare times that they're actually moving the puck around. I mean, I think it was deflected on in um, um, right in front of Stolarz. But I mean, on the power play, I mean, it's like they've tried so many things on the power play and nothing seems to stick. I mean, you see guys start on the first unit, and then later in the game, they're on the second unit. At this point, I mean, maybe they need another power play coach. Um, Some other idea, split up the... I mean, Carlson is hurt, but split them up. But I mean, it's one of Burns' bright spots, but also like one of his downfalls is... I feel like every time on that first unit... As soon as he gets the puck on the point, it's off his stick in in a matter of a second. Um, and then that second unit comes in, you see a little bit more fluidity, and it's like two different two different games going on between the two units. And then uh, that yeah, Reedy the, goal. Yeah, on oh, the sorry. Reedy goal, I did want to just kind of get your opinion first on Reedy himself as a player. Cause I mean, this is the first time I've had the, the pleasure to host uh, with you on board. So yeah. where are your thoughts on, on Reedy as a player? I, you know, he was one of the bright spots on the Barracuda, you know, scoring the way he did. Um, and, and a guy that we've had third line, you know, types of aspirations for, where do you see he's at in his development and i mean do you think he's gonna cash in on you know continue to cash in on you know some solid foundational play in front of the net yeah i think and that's what i wanted to touch on and for his goal he just stuck himself right there and um i feel like whenever he's on ice he's he's very great positionally he's always finding great spots um bright spot on the year i mean both with the sharks and the barracuda being one of the top scorers down there but then with very limited ice time, I feel like whenever he's on the ice, you see more good than bad. Um, you would like to see him get a little bit um, more of a look, but I think at this point it's kind of hard to get him into that top six. I mean, even the third line, especially the third line now. Um, but when he's out there, it's it's a joy to watch him. I mean, I feel like with... Um, Sasha, at least um, those two on that fourth line are starting to find something. And um, a lot of nights, I feel like that fourth and third line are the more enjoyable ones to watch rather than um, some other lines. 
he's just kind of got that pit bull mentality, right? You know, he just gets in. He's not afraid to, you know, have the size mismatch. Um, I, I like where he keeps his stick uh, on the ice for, for most of the action. It seems like he's got really good an, uh, hand-eye coordination as well. Um, and, and, you know, maybe he can you know, take some, take some lessons from the Joe Pavelski school of tipping. But, um, you know, he seems like he's kind of one of those kind of Swiss army knife players. And I'm going to be very interested to see, you know, what, uh, you know, what kind of ceiling he has. And and I know, you know, floor wise, the Sharks have always been within the last, let's say four or five years, this, this is narrative has changed, but have always looked for, um, high ceiling guy or high floor guys. That way, you know, they at least, extract something of value and and i think that scott reedy i think at the uh you know at the very least is is going to be a utility player and, and i think maybe you might have a, a diamond in the rough there but we'll continue to see uh but going into that third period uh unfortunately the the sharks would just not be able to to get the uh the equalizing goal uh, and in fact uh josh mahura would get his third on the season milano and comtois with the assist there and that was really the dagger um you know they had had a couple of shifts really pinning anaheim in their own zone uh two posts within the same sequence and um you know they were doing everything but score but after that that score by mahura uh they just they packed it in at that point um what'd you see on this one and because i think this one to me was the one where i say kakanen's got to have that yeah you you look at it i mean his glove is is there um it's a one-on-one matchup it's one you you definitely like to see him save and at least keep the sharks in the game um like you mentioned, I mean, right before that, the two posts, it looked like something was going to fall for them. Um, had some no calls, in my opinion, um, some questionable ones. Um, and then once they kind of lost the puck in Mahura, went down the ice. And I mean, looked like a great shot, but it's definitely one that you want to see come to at least, or not come to, um, Kakanen at least get a glove on, at least. Um, but. He totally just just got beat. I mean, there's really nothing to it. But and like you said, once once that one fell, it seemed like the Sharks were just trying to force too many things, and then it kind of just fell apart from there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do would also have a uh, a fight uh, in that third period. Uh, Jonah Gadjevich and Hunter Drew going at it. It was really good to see uh, Gadjevich step in for um, Noah Gregor there. Uh, you know, he gets ridden into the boards a little high. I think he was what was bothering him most was the stick had come up, um, kind of more of a, a cross check into the boards. Um, and, and it was good to see Gaddy, you know, step up and, and take on uh, the perpetrator. Uh, you like to see that, and you like to see it especially in the end of the season because, you know, the shows at least the guys still have each other's backs um but i mean other than that nothing really of note there you have the empty netter from zach aston reese his fifth on the season and stolars would get his first assist of the season so that's kind of cool uh comes at 1918 and uh that would be your game yeah i mean at the end i thought he was gonna go for it i mean i think he tried to um kind of missed it there um but, yeah, end, end of the game, I mean, once I saw Gadjevich was in the lineup, he had a feeling something was coming. Um, it was, I think, a, Gregor kind of was a little bit lower, but where Drew kind of hit him, it, it was a little bit high right in the numbers. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, as we've seen, Gregor can stand his own, and I at first thought that Gregor was going to be the one thrown down. Um but Gadjevich was right there to take him on, so it wasn't. It looked like a fight, not a mismatch. So, I mean, it, it was nice to see that. Um, but yeah, like like you had mentioned, really at the end of the game, there wasn't wasn't much to see. It wasn't much to be really excited for there. Yeah, yeah, and and it, it's kind of unfortunate because there was a there was a a good crowd on hand, and and I felt you know you had. Uh, you had some chance going. I felt that there was some good energy in the tank, especially for late in the season, um, the way that it was. And it's really unfortunate that the Sharks just couldn't pull out, um, you know, couldn't pull out a better effort, I guess. And and that's, to me, um, collectively, 
they just look like a bunch of guys skating on the pond or whatever playing you know shinny hockey and you know the score was going to be what what it was going to be basically and that's that's kind of how i felt um you know this game kind of went down but the shots on goal would be 31 33 in favor of the sharks uh, you've got uh, the face-off percentage at 48% for the Sharks. They go one for three on the power play. The Ducks go one for two. The hits would be 21-20 uh, in favor of the Ducks. Blocks would be 18-13 eight, uh, in favor of the Sharks. Uh, the Sharks with 12 giveaways and the Ducks with seven giveaways tonight. Kapokakinen uh, would go 26 of 30 for 867. Uh, like I had said, you know, there were a couple in there that we really just, you know, I, I think that there were one definitely needed to be saved, and I think you could make an argument for another. Um, however, you know, that's just uh, when you're when you got a team that's kind of just mentally checked out at this point, I think, you know, you get kind of get games like these. There's a what do they call it? Like, uh, it's like the Simpsons in the later seasons, right? <laughs> Zombie Simpsons. Uh, you know, it's it's just zombie sharks. They just they just going. Yeah, they you know they they've got their they got their vacations all planned out, and you know they've got the off seasons ready to roll. You know, yeah, got to hit that green. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could, you could tell the young guys are the guys that are actually out there fighting for some some chance, but you you could see some guys are just done, checked out, ready ready just to get this year over with already. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know Denver Doyle, a uh, little bit farther up in the chat, um, you know, talking about the power play and what's best for the power play, and I guess kind of we'll we'll go a little bit more into the structure structurally now because, I, like I said, it's the first time I've had a chance to sit down and have a conversation with you about the mm-hmm. the state of the team and and kind of where we're going, what's the outlook look like for you, and um, you know what you've got a massive hole at the at the uh, head of the organization and how do you go about filling that so ryan i mean i guess first take is who do you like for this gm position what are you looking for as a fan you know, want to at least want to see qualities in a, in a in a new gm and um you know what kind of vision do you want for the team with this gm i think person personally i don't really have a preference for for who i feel like um sharks keep a lot of things pretty close-knit um you don't really get a lot of leaks out of this team um but as as a fan um i kind of want to see something new not i mean there's the coaching carousel everyone talks about that these guys just get rotated um kind of want to see someone who i mean obviously with this team you need to have a clear vision with it whether that's you're really going to go for it which i mean i think you have to do um but how how they're going to go about it um i would like to see some guys moved on from um just to bring in some new new faces new energy um i think that's definitely needed this this team has kind of been the same I, I mean granted some pieces have gone but there's still a lot of the same guys around um and just someone someone who knows that um they're gonna stick to their guns um not listen to the outside noise and i mean if they want to pull off a sneaky move or two i wouldn't be mad about it but so um, so you're so i mean just just to kind of yeah. reiterate and, and kind of bounce off a little bit on it your feeling is you kind of want somebody who's, uh, let's say, assertive, kind of has a little bit of a, of a vision for the team, um, you know, wants to kind of put some roots down, but not necessarily rock the boat so much that, you know, you're changing the entire direction of, of where you want to go. And it mm-hmm. sounds like you want this guy to be somewhat media savvy, but maybe more along the lines of doing kind of things um, – continue to be in the background and, and, you know, kind of work like with the shadow rosters and things like that, mm-hmm. that Doug Wilson had, um, you know, where really things were kept really quiet and really didn't know what the sharks would do year to year, trade deadline to deadline or, or draft to draft. So I, I feel that that's kind of what you're looking for. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. Um, just getting into, getting into a little bit more, 
Um, I mean, it would be nice to hear some things. It's it's kind of been hard the past. I mean, of recent lately, not really knowing what the sharks are looking for, maybe what they have in mind. Um, that makes it a little hard. Um, and like you said, someone who's media savvy um, knows how to talk to the media can drop a few hints here or there. Um, but definitely someone um, who isn't afraid to bring in his guys. Um, I think that's this team might need that. Um, with, I mean, the coaching staff being a big part of that. Um, even if he has, like, his guy, um, if it's someone who he feels comfortable with. I mean, I think even um, down at the uh, CUDA, I think that might need some some turnaround as well, um, especially with the guys coming in. Um, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be pressed if we saw some things change. Yeah, and, and I like this comment from Denver Doyle. Uh, concern that the reports are that Bugner's job is safe no matter who the G- new GM is. Shouldn't the GM pick the coach? I agree wholeheartedly on that, and I and I do feel that you know a GM wants to bring in his guy. But I also think about the fact that the Sharks are paying Bob Bugner. They're I wouldn't say that they're a frugal team, but I also would I would also would say that they're not a team that just spends money to spend money. And I feel that if you're going to do both a buyout and a coach out, you know, a coach buyout mm-hmm. and a and a player buyout, um, that that's going to be a lot of of real money that Hassel Plotner's got to stroke, mm-hmm. you know, just the checks that he's got to stroke for people not working, and and I'm concerned um, that the money or the financials regarding you know salaries and and player movement and all of that, I'm, I'm concerned that there's going to be. Um, some hindrance from making decisions because of money. Yeah. I think it's hard too with Bugner being on one more year left on his deal. Um, I think if he had a little bit more term, it's kind of one where the new GM comes in, evaluates things, sees if he really wants to stick it out with Bugner um, or you buy it out just, and then you just got to eat it for now. Um, but I think him just having one year left, it's it's like, are we okay with another year of Bob and then we can go ahead and then kind of start things? Um, which I, I mean, as much as I don't want Bob to stay, I, I understand that, that aspect um, of it and the thinking there. Um, that way you just run his contract down and then, you can evaluate the market, see what's out there, and then start to um, build from there. What are your thoughts on some of the unconventional guys that the Sharks are looking at? Um, Kevin Weeks was a was a name that was, excuse me, floated around, um, and then uh, there was another one um, that uh, there was another name that was floating around. I think John Ferguson Jr. Um, and you know some guys that maybe are not. Uh, within the good old Sharks connected alumni, you know, kind of hires and are, and are more outside out of the box thinkers. I mean, would you want a, a media analysis guy running this team? Do you think that, that he's got the chops to, to do that? I think it's the Kevin Weeks story was, was an interesting one to see. Cause like you said, he's more of a, a media guy and you don't really know, what he has when it comes to running a team or what sort of experience that he brings. Um, I think it is interesting on the fact that it's a media guy, um, sort of the complete opposite of what Doug was. Um, but you got to wonder how how much truth there is to that rumor or if it's some, some speculation. But I like... I like that it's true they're sticking to the fact like when 
when Becker was mentioning that it is going to be an external search. Um, I do like that. I mean, the one leak or rumor that we have had is someone who is pretty external. And I mean, I wouldn't mind if it's someone from a juniors team or just someone you don't expect. But I think the Ferguson one, I mean, as long as he doesn't make a trade like he has been a part of before, I wouldn't mind. Um, but I think that's another one where, I mean, Arizona is Arizona. Um, I don't know if that's the, the tree I want to pluck my next GM from. Well, you know, here's the thing. And, and I like Kevin Weeks because he doesn't, he's one, he's a guy that has played the game, right? So that's always, you know, that's always going to be a plus too. I think he's got some really good charisma could kind of, you know, be very media savvy. I think he could even, you know, if he really wanted to, could could beef up the the media savvy portion of the Sharks and, and could be an asset there. Um, with Weeks, I, I, I worry about not knowing the intricacies of being a, a GM and, and understanding more along the lines of cap or or those those minutias of trade you know trade deals and and trade um you know nuances that you can add uh, during the deadline that will mm-hmm. net you extra picks like you know being a, a cap bar uh, cap broker if you want to if you want to call it that so you know there's all these there are all these externalities that I don't know that he's been exposed to yet and I almost look at it like the John Lynch hiring over in, in San Francisco for the 49ers. It's unconventional. The jury's still out on whether or not it, it, it it's worked. And mm-hmm. we've seen more and more middling play, so to speak. And I think if if you really want the team to, to compete and, and push forward... I think you got to get a guy that's that's gonna not have the shackles be tied to him. You know, you, you got to have somebody that can implement a vision that can then be executed on the ice. Yeah, and I I think um, touching on on the weeks thing, um, he could um, bring in people around him. Um, I know there's certain teams that have guys who are um that's like their job is to work with the cap and what the team can do with the cap save here save there and then when it comes around to the trade deadline what moves they can make to be competitive and then stay cap compliant which the sharks with the contracts they have are probably going to need to do if they're looking to go out there and compete i mean the guys you probably got to bring in will definitely bring you to the cap ceiling and then i mean the sharks haven't used it very often of recent but probably some ltir if that's the route that they want to take um but it really all all just depends and kind of like um i mean i see what dana says here that who knows who knows what we know he could could know those things um it's a big it's a very big question mark with him yeah and i I don't think we're saying i i don't think that we're saying that he's not you know he's not able to to do it or he's not um you know doesn't have the the knowledge so to speak i just i don't think that i i don't know what his background is within sharks uh excuse me within hockey operations right and Mm -hmm. and and i'd like to see some experience there at, at least um, having a taste of, of some kind of front office experience. So for me, that that's kind of what I look at. And, and I, you know, I, I like to draw other comparisons to sports and especially because the Bay Area has some has some really good sports to look to. And, and I look at what's worked for other sports franchises. And I, and I think new ideas and fresh perspectives have, have really started to take root. And an embrace of, of non-traditional thinking on the ice or, or on whatever your on-field product is mm-hmm. and and 
looking for those diamonds in the rough, looking for those guys that have been passed over. And, and I look at a guy like Yanni Gord, for instance, right? I mean, he was part of the Sharks uh, organization and then, you know, wasn't re-signed, retained, and ends up, you know, lighting up, you know, and, and becoming, um, mm-hmm. you know, a great player for, for Tampa Bay. So to me, that's the kind of, guy that I look for is one of those statistician nerds, one of those hockey lifers, but who's also got a got a great perspective and, and a new new perspective, not not afraid of the analytics, but but also, you know, utilizes their eyes and can see, you know, a player's effort or a player's you know, the non tangibles. Yeah. There I mean the value that you don't just see while while you're watching the game and it's what else they can bring in. Like you had mentioned about I mean, referencing other sports, the Giants are kind of getting the rewards of plucking from a successful team, um, which I also could see the Sharks doing with pulling someone from a Tampa or a team that that has built a good team and can sustain. Um, and then sort of someone who maybe wants to step out there and take the reins on themselves. Yeah, I, I I think the Sharks traditionally have brought in cup winners in a supporting cast kind of way. And I don't think that they've ever had an alpha or a top dog that's that's knows what it has taken to win the cup. Now Couture has gotten to a cup final before and that does, you know, count for a lot. However, you just don't have that one alpha male that can say, look, this is how we did it X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what it requires and what kind of sacrifices that you need to make. And I'm not sure that that player has emerged yet for the Sharks uh, insofar as uh, the next level leadership. I mean, I think we had that player, um, you know, and and I think everybody, you know, can, can kind of read between the lines there. Um, you know, <laughs> quickly, AJ is going to crawl out of the woodwork. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there there are players that have the tools to do it, but I don't think have really seized the opportunity yet. What What do you take from the leadership, and and how are you feeling? Just kind of like your best players kind of need to be your be your best players on a nightly basis, and we haven't seen that this season yeah um i mean i think you you kind of saw things turn around um bringing in benino his experience and then also cogs um while he was here his experience i think helped steady the ship after the whole storyline this summer um but it could just be hearing from the same people and then you also I mean, Kutcher has been captain for a couple seasons now, and I feel like we still don't know his style of leadership. Um, so you got to wonder who's the voice in that locker room. If it is Kutcher, and then we just don't see it on the ice, or if it if it's someone else. Um, but yeah, like you had mentioned, they don't really have anyone that's been there and done it. Um, and then you you were sort of seeing the same faces. Um, I would like to see it maybe a shakeup of the alternates, maybe not having as many. Um, so I know Sharks are one of the few teams that do have four A's. Yeah, the rotating um, A. Yeah, that last A is rotating. Yeah, so I think maybe you got to decide on who's going to be your A's and sort of sort of stick with that because you got to wonder if it's just at this point, is it a reward for guys or like, are they actually leaders um, like in the locker room and just on the ice or like the players who who have it are, are deserving. But again, it's just a matter of like, what's, what's really going on. And then like, where's the leadership coming from? And Dana bringing up a great point that Benito has a cup. And also she said, OMG, not alphas. When I talk about alphas and when I'm talking about, uh, you know, players getting a cup. I'm, I'm talking about 
a Jonathan Taves or a Sidney Crosby or um, a, a Braden Point, but basically somebody who's been there and who is a, a, of a higher caliber that can say, look, you know, I play at an elite level, have won the big shiny silver thing. I know how to get it done. And a guy, someone like Eric Carlson, who's a veteran in this league, can look at and be like, damn, if, if he's going to do that, then I need to step up my game. Right there, there it, it seems like there isn't enough accountability into um, consistency or, or at least bringing it all the time, full, full bore to the, um, you know, uh, pedal to the metal, excuse me, um, full bore. And, and we're not seeing that consistent. And, and I think. One, it's hard to do that when you don't have the talent because I think again you look at the the gape, you know, the big gaping hole on the wings for the Sharks, and and you go, you know, that's that is part of the problem for sure. Um, but it's also a player like Eric Carlson checking out at times, um, a player like Brent Burns making um, you know defensively boneheaded mistakes. And, and, and that's what I'm talking about. It's just those, those finer points that we're just not seeing the team execute on this season. Yeah, and I think to follow up on that, I feel like when things do go bad and then you start to see guys take off, it's always the top guys who you see their play drop the fastest. Um, things aren't going well. Like you mentioned, you see the Carlson taking a playoff. You'll see... You could see Burns playing frustrated. You see, or you don't see sometimes a hurdle or a couture. They kind of don't, they're not as prevalent as they should be. And then, I mean, Myers still your top guy. And then you could tell when he gets frustrated and just starts shoot shooting from pretty much everywhere. But, I mean, even... To touch on, like, for Burns, I mean, you see his defensive mistakes, but then also his offensive mistakes that lead to defensive deficiencies or... Um, or he I cheats mean, he cheats yeah. his defense for offense and then gets burned on it. Yeah, and then it looks bad on someone else when, I mean, it could have been avoided, like I mentioned earlier, his it's a great it's a great thing to have, but sometimes when he gets the puck at the point and then he just fires it um just to fire it um i mean you don't have a pavelski in the front of the net anymore um you have guys who can maybe do it here and there but you don't have someone who is known for that um and i know on a couple nights i mean even tonight where he'll get the puck and just fire it it'll go into someone or it'll get blocked and then all of a sudden now it's behind Burns, and then his D partner is left with. They have to leave the guy that was on him, and now it's a two-on-one going the other way. Um, and just sort of things like that is hard to see, especially when it's your top guys that it's coming from, and those are the guys who, the younger guys, and there's a lot of them on this team are supposed to look towards. Well, um, yeah, and 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 I think Ramirez brings up another guy too, Pickles, right? For that matter, and. So I'm concerned now that you've got a guy in Ryan Merkley who is impressionable, I think, and, and, I, and I think he's, he's still learning how to be a pro, and he's seeing that he's seeing a Brent Burns, you know, he's not seeing Brent Burns in his, in his prime, right? This is, this is Twilight Brent Burns. This is where, you know, he cheats his defensive positioning for offense, you know, makes more uh, high risk and, and um, lower reward um, type plays sees Eric Carlson gliding to the bench. And and so I wonder and, and worry about a kid coming up in that, in that kind of environment, right? It's it. And, and you look at, you just look at a guy like, excuse me, Sergachev over in Tampa Bay and, and look at, um, at a guy like Victor Hedman, who's teaching him how to play, you know, and, and you have that in Eric Carlson, right? I mean, Eric Carlson and Victor Hedman at one time were talked about in the same breadth and mm -hmm. look at how far from grace, you know, he, he's fallen. And it, it's just a shame because I think part of the problem is there were certain players that 
more was expected than they brought last year and, and didn't answer that, in, in my opinion. Um, and, and for me, I, I think they've kind of skated on that for the last couple of years, you know, pardon the pun, you know, skate, you know, skated off and, and really been um, consequence free. And, and I think that that needs to change, especially for, for the, uh, the higher paid players. Yeah, definitely. Especially when, like you touched on from Merkley, one thing I don't want him to pick up, like Felix mentioned, is Burns' starfish. We don't want to see that anymore. Um, but definitely when you have two of the top offensive guys and then someone in Merkley who, barring other reasons, was a top defensive prospect when he was drafted. And then, I mean when he was drafted it's like all right cool like he has these guys to look up to but now it's like do you really want him to to be following their footsteps um just seeing how they're playing and and their attitude and what they're doing and how a lot of times they will put their offense ahead of their defense um we just have to see i mean Merkley has his flashes but then again on defense, you, when he makes a mistake, most of the time it is it's in the one, back of his net. Yeah, it's one that leads to a goal, or it's it's one that's very very noticeable. Right. So with the with the little time that we have remaining here, um, Ryan, I'd like to ask you if mm-hmm. you're Sharks GM, I, I'll give you I'll give you three moves that you can make on the roster. What are you doing? Adding or subtracting. Yeah, you got three moves. You 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 do what you want to do with those three moves. What are you addressing in the off season? Um, defense, defense, and I mean, just to touch on that. I mean, the third one still got to think about that. But I feel like definitely you got to look at Burns, trading Burns, run the numbers on a Vlasic buyout. I think those are the top two things. Um, I mean, Burns has his value. I mean, he's over 50 points um, almost, I think, at 60 again. Um, But it's like, do you really – do you want to wait until the very end and then you're stuck with him? Um, Or do you want to at least try and get something um, and move that $8 million and try and use it more efficiently and more effectively? So I think I would – touch on that and sort of take calls but also call teams on burns um and then like i mentioned number two probably run the numbers on a vlasic buyout see what he's thinking i mean yeah he's he's been here since he was drafted he has the longevity but just watching him on the ice it's it's not a product that just doesn't nice have it. to see. He just doesn't yeah. have it anymore. If if anyone has dropped off fast and more noticeably than him, then I would like to see because it's bad. Um, so I think even kind of like how Minnesota did buying out their long-term contract guys, I think you have to maybe stomach the high dead cap numbers um, to bring in other guys. I mean, um, just, just Minnesota is going to be in cap hell next year, and and it's just you you look at that Vlasic buyout and and you go, man, do you really want to hire a new GM, buy out a guy, and potentially have to retain salary on a trade? You know that that's a lot of money you're not paying guys mm-hmm. to to be on your team. So again, I just wonder. I wonder where the financials come in on those, but I think that those are all great ideas, and I think. For me, if if I want to fill in your number three for you, I'd look for a for a, a good winger at this point. I think you've got mm-hmm. the centers pretty much, you know, pretty much identified. But I'd I'd like to have one more impact winger for Couture. Um, it just seems like he has rotated through winger after winger after winger, not being able to to get a good um, solid duo with someone out there. Um, and and I think that his play has has suffered because of it. Yeah, I think that's where I probably probably was going to go. Um, I mean, the way Bordolo's been playing, I don't mind him 
filling that three C role. And, um, I mean, if a new GM comes in or a new coach, I mean, I, I don't think you can logically be running Bonino as a top six kind of guy. Even at this point, I think it's better to get the young guys rolling. And I mean, if even trading a Bonino, um, as much leadership as he brings, I think the sharks have too many guys who are similar, um, which sort of makes the queue longer for other guys. And I mean, they just had a winger heavy draft, um, but those guys probably won't be ready. And I mean, um, like if you just mock up the forwards for next year, like it's already full. Like there's guys who are having good seasons now, like a Reedy who you have a hard time plugging in with Bonino and Nieto even um, on the roster. And like you could put it like Eklund. I mean, we all see what he's going to be. Um, you put him with Couture, but it's kind of like who do you put on the other side? Do you try out a Dolan again with a new staff if there is one? Um, do you bring in someone more experienced? Because like you had mentioned, he hasn't he's had his times with Timo, but once Timo and Hurdle sort of found their their link up together, Kutcher was kind of left out on an island by himself. Um, but it's gonna be nice to see Eklund come in. You hope he's stuck directly on Kutcher's wing. Um, hopefully the Bear Banov extension comes and then that line can just stay together. But we have too many guys, which I could see lead to maybe a trade um, kind of all in one. You have a Balsers, Gregor, I mean, Reedy, you have a Weatherby, those kind of guys who I think you have six spots in the bottom six and it's, it's a thing of do you want to go full youth, which it would be if you keep everyone, um, or are you going to keep your old guys? But then you have guys who have proven that they can hold it in the NHL with the little ice time they can, but do you want to keep them in the AHL and possibly stunt their growth? Yeah, and, and I, wonder, I, I wonder who or, or what kind of player would be able to help rejuvenate Couture? Is, is it another crafty kind of player? Is it another skills type player? Or is it another big body? Mm-hmm. And, and at this point, I'm just, I'm not sure what he needs to, to, to thrive. Um, I, I don't know if he, he, if he needs somebody feeding him the puck more or, or if it's someone that he can, he can get the puck to, but it just seems like he's more of a, a play enabler and not, uh, you know, a, a finisher. I mean, he can finish. Yeah. But I, was, oh, no. I, I just, I think, you know, you need some guys with some finish. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's where I'm getting at is you, we've got a lot of, oh, he could, you know, if he just, you know, develops into this player, then he's going to be a, a goal scorer. Or, oh, you know, he's got this potential, um, but there's nobody that's actually done it yet. There's nobody mm-hmm. that's actually hit that critical mass point yet. And so for me, if you go out and get one veteran winger, one impact veteran winger, then you can start messing around with that that other side of Couture's wing and, and then get a little bit more confidence that the, that the player that you put there is going to develop better. Yeah, because like, especially with Eklund, we've seen he's more of a pass-first winger. He's not your scoring winger um and then i mean a prime prime example of kutcher tonight i feel like a lot of times in the offensive zone you you look at kutcher and he's by himself and then you see bonino and nieto like just entering just crossing the blue line and then kutcher has no options across the ice or near him and then he shoots it granted his shooting could be a lot better a lot of times tonight i think he had three shots from that right side on stolars and um, all three of them were hit him center mass, and it's like, bud, what are you doing? Like, there's above him, the side of him, and I don't know if that's from him just looking for a rebound, maybe, or if he's just feeling stuck. But his finishing is 
is not what it used to be. Yeah, cause... I mean this this season we take a look at his at his stats. I mean he he had a a pretty big de- decline, and and I think one it's it's hard to get your cookies when there's not a lot of cookies being got by everybody yeah. else, right? So you know that's part of the problem is just general scoring around the sharks is lower. Um, but I also think it has to think has to directly correlates with the fact that he's not had a stable partner with him mm-hmm. the whole season. So it'll be interesting to see what where the Sharks end up going. Um, and, you know, hopefully the, the talent disparity can be, you know, can that equation can be balanced a little bit more between, um, you know, the forwards and the defense. Um, but again, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a lot of movement. It's going to be a lot of, of, um, I think there's going to be some hardship and there's going to be some hard decisions that are going to have to be made coming up. Definitely. Well, Ryan, we're 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 at that point. So, uh, what are your final thoughts uh on uh, on this evening's game? Where the people can find you? What you're doing these days? Yeah. Um I think we we all watched a game like I had said. Um it was a rough one, but we're all just trying to find the little things that we could be happy about. I'm hoping we see a borderline goal before we finish the year. That would be a nice thing to finish the year off with, how things have been going. Pretty much the only thing that has me watching a Sharks game now. Um, but to end that, um, you can find me on Twitter at HockeyFrom808, screaming and complaining about things and... Um, showing my love to certain players that was very obvious um but yeah i mean if you don't like it that's okay we all have our favorites <laughs> uh what do they say Opin- opinions are like belly buttons everybody got, everybody's got one and they all stink well I, don't, I think it's something like that but uh uh no if, if you want to check out me and and where to find me uh use my first name that's e-r-i-k-l-a-n and uh, my last name landy L-A-N-D-I, across all the social media garbage. Uh, For me, final thoughts are tank, 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 baby. Tank, (laughs) tank, tank. (laughs) In case you missed us and you want to check us out again, check us out across all the podcasting platforms, that being Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, the YouTube Rewind, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. We are across all of those platforms i think we're even on audible now (laughs) all that and more at tealtownusa.com thank you for checking us out and as always keep it real keep it teal keep it real teal thank you everybody and we will see you after the next game